You're listening to Don't Waste Water. My end goal is to build a giant. By giant, I mean, we're at 70 million. We're looking to 10x that over a period of, of four years. And obviously, you can't do that organically. So about two-thirds of that growth will be acquisitive. Hello, bonjour, and welcome to the Don't Twist Weather podcast. Those are great situations. We face them all the time. We've got three on the table right now. It's a great way for them to, to again, case, take some cash off the table, de-risk their investment, in certain cases, transfer it to the next generation of ownership. I'm your host, Antoine Valter, and in today's episode, I'm delighted to welcome Alex Buller as my guest. I get worried, you know, at times where you have too many late stage deals, too many early stage deals, nothing in the middle. The middle's where it gets hard. Like I said before, it's easy to source things. It's hard to move them into the middle. Alex is the president and CEO of Integrated Water Services. We've got three or four companies under LOI now that are going to deepen our product exposure. And we're working on an, an M&A pipeline of probably 120 targets, which are probably 80% product solutions, again, to help us build that product business to support our, our bundled service offering. Integrated Water Services is the leading U.S. design build provider of water and wastewater solutions. If you've listened to my synthesis on M&A, which I published on this channel two weeks ago, you will have some deja vu impressions listening to the two interviews I'm releasing this week. Yet, I couldn't deprive you of the additional pieces of context, insight and wisdom shared by Tom Rooney and Alex Buller, hence these bonus releases of the two almost uncut discussions. In the piece you're currently listening to, we'll explore integrated water services strategy to pursue aggressive growth through M&A, how they pick their targets, what their criteria are and how they then integrate the acquired companies. In a section that will reflect my discussion with Tom Rooney, we also explore how AWS finds opportunities in the middle market and develops customized solutions for that segment's unique needs, leading to a lasting impact on local communities. Finally, we explore how Alex deploys his corporate strategy, what AWS's stage and gate process is, how one balances organic growth and acquisitions, and what competencies you need to build or bring on board to succeed in an external growth approach. As always, if you like what you hear, share this episode with a friend, a colleague, your boss, or your team. Make sure to subscribe because I have a big, big, big piece coming out before the end of this year. It's probably my deepest exploration ever. I'd also like to specially thank Science Water that enabled this episode, and I'll meet you on the other side. Hi, Alex. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Last year, at that exact same place, I had a conversation with Josiah Cox mm -hmm. from Central State Water Resources. Right. If I'm taking a ton of shortcuts, you are the equivalent to Josiah on the other side of the science water universe with integrated water services. How wrong am I with that shortcut? Other side, I mean, in comparison to CSWR, we don't really own water systems, though we are dabbling in the financing of some systems, right? I would say they're more, you know, an investor-owned utility that goes out and, and, and buys these very small water systems, takes them through a rate case, owns them, outsources the O&M over time. Our model is not that. Our model is, first off, we're, we're kind of serving a, a different space. We're serving the middle market. 
which kind of one step above what Josiah is doing at CSWR. So these are typically suburban or ex-urban communities, and they're admittedly not the, the biggest urban centers in the country, but they're suburban. Decentralized facilities, middle market, and what we're doing is kind of serving them through a bundled product and service offering, offering turnkey solutions for that space. We've got three divisions at our company, we've got product solutions, technical and digital services, and field services. So that's what we're offering in comparison to CSWR. So slightly different, serving the same market, but with a with a very different business model. What I'm interested in is, you mentioned this bundle of solutions. How do you build that bundle? What's the receipt? We've built it organically as an initial step, which is to say we, we spawned a product a few years ago called the Blue Box, which is a modular packaged scalable MBR system, a membrane bioreactor, sort of kind of a, a treatment plant in a box, if you will. So that was kind of our entree into product solutions. What is the size of a blue box? It's like a cargo container, right? So it's so a 40 feet, 40, yeah, 40 foot yeah, like, okay. a, like a 40 foot container. Put it on the back of a truck. Don't quote me on the dimensionality, but it's close to that, right? So put it on the back of a truck, deliver it to the site, drop it in place, plug it in, influent, effluent, power, and you're in the treatment business, right? So that that's meant to be sort of ease of operation, speed of delivery, very accessible, very affordable. We can rent them, we can lease them, we can provide water as a service, kind of all the above, right? Just to present the best flexibility for the customer based on their current needs. So that was our kind of organic foray into product solutions. Now what we're focused on is kind of acquiring products, differentiated products that we like in and around biological treatment as a process. We're very acquisitive. We, we bought two companies over the last six months, both of which were vertical integration or backward integration strategies. So we were buying the engineering component as well as the electrical and control panel component of the blue box manufacturing. We've got three or four companies under LOI now that are going to deepen our product exposure. And we're working on an, an M&A pipeline of probably 120 targets, which are probably 80% product solutions, again, to help us build that product business to support our, our bundled service offering. Just let me confirm I got that one right, which means you had the blue box and you've looked at what were your suppliers upstream, downstream, and then you went down to acquire those. Yeah, not just that though. It's not just vertical integration. So we haven't really done any forward integration. We've done some backward integration, but there's also horizontal integration as well. So you're looking at complementary products and services that are offered alongside the blue box. When you look at the treatment process, there are a handful of processes and then sub-processes underneath them. As part of our strategic plan, we kind of sized up every one of those and said, what do we like? Obviously, you have to come up with the filtering criteria and then to prioritize what pops up to the top. What do we like? What has a large market that's high growth, that has a lack of competitive intensity, that has sort of IP or barriers to entry, all of the above, and say, okay, we want to invest in this, this, and this. And then we go out and find companies that offer those technologies and try to acquire them and bring them into the portfolio. You mentioned your pipeline of M&A. Yeah. How do you build up that pipeline? 
It's through conferences like this, right, through sourcing, some of which is primary on organic, just out talking to people, out talking to customers, out engaging in the market on sites to see out who else is, is working. Some of it is desktop, right, where you can use some, some online databases, Capital IQ, PitchBook, and look for companies under certain codes that say, who are companies that look like this? Let's filter on those and start making contact. That's sort of the, the sourcing or origination process, which you can do relatively quickly. By the way, it's not hard to do that, whether it's primary or secondary research. You can build a proprietary pipeline of 100 or 200 targets. It's probably harder to advance those targets through the pipeline. Some of the magic is these companies are, are typically not banked. They're not dressed up for sale. In many ways, you're dealing with entrepreneurs, owners, sole, sole proprietors who have never thought about selling their business. And those conversations take some work, right? That can have a prolonged courting period. When the business is not ready for sale, It's you got to work with them to understand the underlying fundamentals, financial, commercial, operating of the business so that you put a value and structure on it as well. That's not to say all of our deal flow is proprietary. That's definitely not the case. We do participate in and bank deals from the sell side, but a lot of it is just sort of organically generated, sourced, proprietary deal pipeline for which we're engaging directly with owners and trying to move them through the corporate development process. What's the typical shape of a company you would be interested in? What's the size? How widespread are they when you start engaging with them? We have a scorecard for every acquisition opportunity that's kind of got financial and, and commercial attributes, which are weighted and ultimately ranked or indexed on a score of 100. So 100 would be a perfect score. That is the, the absolute ideal strategic fit for the business. So we're kind of looking at companies that are scoring sort of 75 or north of 80. So an example, I mean, when you think of size, it could be 50 to, to 50 million for us, at least at, at our current size. That That's what we could believe we could absorb. If it touches some of our target geo markets, geographic areas where we're focused and target geo markets are based on what's what's the size do they have the right regulation in place is there limited competition in that area etc are they touching the right geo markets are they touching the right end markets do they have complementary products technologies or high value services that we like some of the financial metrics is it accretive margin accretive would it be accretive from an earnings or EBITDA perspective so you got to go down all of that list kind of rank them high medium and low versus the weight and then index them on that score and say okay this is what pops up to the top through all stages in the process too as you're advancing you're learning more about the company and we're constantly revisiting that score what do we learn how does it adjust our score are we still north of 75 are we going up are we going down so that's the process we're using and it's not to make this paint by numbers it's not corporate development paint by numbers is one part sort of science one part art one part quantitative one part qualitative but we we do have a process we do have a core competency that we're working to build i think we we are in the process of building it we're probably getting really good and really fast and making it scalable so that we can hit some of our growth ambitions. What is your own company structure? How many people do you have working on that consolidation, aggregating companies part? And how many people are you which are working with the operation of the actual company? We're a small business, right? So we're 70 million in revenue, just over 
100 employees covering the western U.S. with probably three centers of operation. We've got the Rocky Mountains out of Denver, got the West Coast out of Northern and Southern California, and then more recently we have Central Texas, which is really kind of centered between Austin and San Antonio and, and Hill Country on the I-35 corridor. So as a small business, I mean, we're, we're very lean in all areas, including corporate development. So who works on corporate development? I work on it personally. My CFO, Harsha, works on it. We've got a, a couple of technical resources on the team that also have a day job, right? They're running divisions of the company. And then I have a uh, a resource that is kind of fully focused on, on corporate development at the moment. And then, of course, we work with our financial sponsor, Scions, right? So that is their business. That is the business of private equity to find value, structure, acquire, and integrate companies. So we have to lean on them quite a bit as well. We've got a lean team trying to do a lot, particularly for a 100-employee business. A lot to do, but having said that, I think we're making, making great progress. So you have that pool of potential targets, and then how do you advance them through the process? Are there like stage and gates? Yep, yep, we have a stage gate process. Not unlike you would typically see on a product development side. Stage zero, which is your highest level of as evaluation, kind of back of the envelope. Every gate review, there's kind of an integrated corporate development team that renders a decision, sort of go, no go, do we advance to the next gate? We kind of visualize this. We show sort of all of our deals, what stage or gate are they in? Always looking to see that we have a balanced portfolio, that things are moving with velocity, they're not stuck. I get worried, you know, at times where you have too many late stage deals, too many early stage deals, nothing in the middle. The middle's where it gets hard. Like I said before, it's easy to source things. It's hard to move them into the middle. It's often complicated and it's a heavy negotiation, but, but closing is a pretty mechanical process. It's the middle that's hard. Yeah, it's a stage gate process. We're at it every week. We have standing weekly meetings internally and externally, by externally I mean with, with the fund, so that we're constantly working on assessing new deals and moving them through the pipeline. When I discussed, I think two years ago, with uh, Renat Hübner, the CEO of Ski on Water, he outlined the strategy of Ski on to, to build kind of something like you, you, mm -hmm. you're building. A part of the plan was to target specific technologies, another part of the plan was to target the succession inside the companies. If the owner is retiring and has no succession plans, then that's an opportunity to gobble up the company. Yeah. And probably gobble up is not the term he used, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a good term. Would that be an approach for you? Or how do you convince the owners, which have not specifically set up to sell their companies, that it might be the best move for them yeah. to integrate with you? Yeah, anytime you're, you're facing a situation of an aging owner with a generational shift in the business, maybe the kids aren't aren't interested, or in some cases the kids are interested, but the owner wants to take some cash off the table and kind of de-risk his or her investment. Those are great situations. We face them all the time. We've got three on the table right now. It's a great way for them to, to again, case, take some cash off the table, de-risk their investment, in certain cases transfer it to the next generation of ownership with some outside capital, growth capital, if you will. But uh, that is a key differentiator in terms of private equity positioning itself with owners to say what can we do for you how can we help you and we face that all the time we've seen crazy multiples <laughs> recently the container mobile business of Veolia which was sold to to soar was sold for 22x multiple is that the norm is it something you face or are you really focusing on things which have to be down to earth and more realistic multiples we want to maximize the value of the business on exit that goes without saying that's a function of 
of EBITDA and the multiple applied to EBITDA. Sometimes tough to manage your multiple, other things you can do. It has to do with the quality of the revenue. Is it repeat? Is it recurring? Is there a technology? Is there a digitalization component? All of those things are going to increase your valuation. Scale is very important. Are you sort of in that sweet spot of scale that you're pushing your multiple to something close to those levels? Are those multiples normal? No. I would tell you water multiples are healthy right now in comparison to, to other multiples. I mean, we're not underwriting our financial model and our exit at multiples like that, but I'd love to achieve them nonetheless, right? So if, if we do our job here and build this balanced portfolio at the appropriate scale with the right flavor of revenue, I think we can, we can have a very nice valuation on this business at exit. What's the end goal for your company itself? Is it to build a giant? Is it to exit yourself to an even larger fish? My end goal is to build a giant. By giant, I mean, we're at 70 million. We're looking to 10x that over a period of, of four years. And obviously you can't do that organically. So about two thirds of that growth will be acquisitive. About one third of that growth will be organic. organic. Hence the need for this corporate development or M&A proficiency because it's so heavily reliant on M&A. We've got to have that process very well structured and, and very smooth. So I want to build something. We want to create a masterpiece here, right? Sort of the quintessential water or wastewater treatment and water reuse platform. National coverage, offering turnkey solutions and covering the middle market space, which we believe is largely overlooked and uncontested. So we're not going after Denver, Chicago, D.C. That's not our core market. Yeah, you, you, know, you talk to Veolia, who was here before, or, or, or Xylem, or some of the other companies. They, they will tackle those. We're chasing the smaller ones, right? Suburban, exurban, smaller industrial plants, residential developments that are forced into decentralized treatment because they can't really plug into an expansive municipal structure. There is a need to sort of roll down the technologies and the services to address that middle market segment. And that's where we're focused. You mentioned how you closed two deals in the first six months of the year. You have several letters of intent out there. How many a year do you think you can close in terms of this acquisitions? Probably four to six a year. We're kind of on that pace now. And we're doing it kind of everybody with, with day jobs sort of seconding on the corporate development side. I think we can accelerate that if we need to. But right now I'm sort of comfortable with that pace. Obviously, the size is going to depend on the size of the deals. Big deals, small deals, they, they virtually take the same amount of time to close. You got to do all the same work, the same preliminary, full due diligence, etc. That's our pace, about four to six a year. Now, I said two in the first six months of this year, four, three or four. I say three or four because one's very close, right on the precipice, four under LOI. Assuming we get all those, obviously that would be two plus four for a total of six. That seems like the right pace. You mentioned your targets to 10x. 2027. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm looking at. 70 to 600 million, 2027. That's my goal. Is that your single KPI? Hmm. No. Or do you no. have something else? We have a full suite of, of KPIs. We have a, a four by four strategy. So we've got four strategic imperatives, four strategic enablers that together produce sort of the financial objectives. Coincidentally, there are also four financial objectives, but their revenue, EBITDA return, and, and a multiple on invested capital, right? Those are ultimately the KPIs that are driving us. That's fascinating. 
I would love to check on your path and to see which profiles you've been signing up to, to join you. And that's a crazy growth over the next five years. So yeah, yeah. Really well, that's what makes it fun, right? We're, we're playing long ball here. We're going to swing for the fences and see if we can build this thing in, in, on a very fast timetable, right? Sounds really fun, actually. Yeah, no, it is. It's great. Thanks for well, sharing. Well, thank you. Thanks for the openness. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Don't Waste Water. This podcast was brought to you by GF Piping Systems. Loved this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. See you next time.